my doctor was like, well, you're very progressive. So just in case you don't find a guy, ask the doctor to see if you're going to freeze half, half of them with like sperm. And then later on, if you want to have kids, be like, do your thing and have your kid. But don't worry about like getting into a relationship. Like imagine you're talking to your OBGYN and he's Persian actually. <laughs> he's like, don't change your life plans because you want to have kids and you want to like, you think you have to be married to someone to have kids. You don't really have to. I have a lot of friends that don't do that. Welcome back, Persian Girl Podcast. Today we are interviewing El Tusi. She's a cross-platform journalist and producer. She's had bylines with PRI, BBC, CBS, just to name a few. And she also started a nonprofit that empowers women in the cross-section of storytelling and technology. Also, most recently, she started the women's series showcasing a personal look of women in journalism and that sort of helping create programs and opportunities for her community of journalists globally to get the proper training and resources in order to remain up to date and safe while doing their job. Just like a renaissance (laughs) woman, basically. I don't know about that, but thanks guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Sorry, I've got my crazy jungle hair. Uh, anytime we oh, have guests, <laughs> yeah, we're on hair. we're on Zoom, so we're <laughs> we're having a competition of who has like the biggest hair. But L is. By the way, you guys don't understand. L has the most amazing hair. Like it's so voluminous, and like I I just it's like my number one priority. I always tell my person, please make sure it's voluminous layers, like Farrah Fawcett hair. It just went to the sky. I feel like you yeah. would look great with like uh, what's Elvis's. A wife, the beehive that she had. Oh, oh. yeah. Like you could really do that well. I will. I mean, this, if I've learned anything this year, is I'm open to anything and I'll try anything <laughs> at least once. So. <laughs> um, yeah. Anytime we have a guest on the episode, we always like our listeners to learn about where the guest is from. Um, so I guess, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up? Sure, sure. So, I was actually born in Southern California, and uh, I I did go back to Iran for a brief period of time after I was born, and then, but eventually came back when I was around four or five back to Southern California, and that's where I grew up, went to school. Um, It's my formative years, it's created who I was and my ambition to kind of eventually, I think growing up in this area I always thought about what's going on in the rest of the world and that kind of was my my goal was to see what else is going on outside of this bubble but um yeah I ended up doing my schooling in Southern California even my undergraduate at UCI where I studied international relations Um, at that point in time I really in my mind you know I think if you grew up in a Persian family you have certain priorities like (laughs) You're either going to be a doctor, engineer, something. And I think I was voted to be the attorney of the family because we didn't have one of those yet. Um, Ended up taking the LSAT. And during that time, a friend of mine said, well, hey, you know, there's this firm in in Southern California. They're really big. They're hiring. Just try it while you're in this gap year before you go to law school. And I ended up interviewing, getting the job. Really big firm, very well known. And I think... Three months into it, I knew, yeah, that's not for me. I need a plan B. And so it was a really tough time because I'm in my like early 20s and I thought everything I always wanted to do was kind of like shattering and I had like not thought about that. So I just sat down and evaluated, well, I know I don't want to live this life. It's not for me. What are my goals in life? Um, I always wanted to be of service. People always came to me for figuring things out and problem solving. And I love storytelling and I love listening to people's stories and connecting with people. So what was that job? And talked to a few people and like did some research and I realized, well, I guess that's journalism, but is that really, how am I gonna like break this news to my family? 
which I didn't really. I mean, I started doing night classes at UCLA, still working at the firm. And I was not going to tell them until I had something rock solid to provide to them, like as proof, you know, I think that's as Persians, you just can't just come up with an idea. They need like, well, what's, what's, what's your foundation here? How are you going to make money? How are you going to do all this? So I was not even going to present that until I had a plan. And so it was like three years working at that firm, probably, I think night classes, imagine going from Orange County to LA three or four times a week. And I can't imagine that energy now. I don't know if I could do that now, but I did it because I knew I loved it. And I grad, I finished that program. And right when I got one to get into the workforce, it was the recession. So uh, the foreign correspondence work that I wanted to do wasn't really available. But when I looked around and I shopped around my resume, I got an opportunity to cover Hollywood in the film industry. And this editor really gave me a chance to become like one of his interns. And I said, you know what, I've been working. So all this time I'm prepared for <laughs> however long I got to pay my dues. That's what everyone says. You got to pay your dues in this industry in every industry in LA, and then you'll get somewhere. So it was probably one of the best experiences I've had um, covering Hollywood, film industry stuff, red carpet stuff. Um, I think the editor there kind of eventually knew that I wanted to do something different. And so he would give me international opportunities. So I would cover Sundance where they had this film forward initiative where they'd take directors and take them to impoverished locations. And they would give those schools and those demographics opportunities to connect with these directors and kind of inspire them. If they want to do storytelling and do film work, do it. You have access to this person. See, it's, it's possible. And so I ended up going to Mexicali, Mexico that year. Um, and I got to interview Stacy Peralta, who's like the godfather of skateboarding, right? So Tony Hawk, Lance Mountain, Stacy Peralta was the guy that got all these guys together and was able to find a way to monetize this world of skateboarding and all that sort of stuff. And he was like filming everything. So he did an autobiography about that whole experience. And I got to follow him. It was really cool. Um, that after that, I actually went to Nat Geo. I had an opportunity to head over to DC. So I lived in DC for a little bit, uh, worked for the channel. Uh, then after that, I realized I had a very unique experience there. I actually, my desk was right in front of the head of Nat Geo, not just by chance. Like it wasn't supposed to be there. I don't know why it happened. I wasn't even sitting with the team that I was working with, but, um, I had a really tough time being from California and living in DC because everyone kind of made it known like, Oh, you're not from around here. Are you, uh, we don't ask, how are you doing? And perk up in the morning and stuff like that. Right. I, I was just trying to find my tribe and I was being rejected everywhere I was going. So I'm like, Jesus, it's going to be really hard to kind of maneuver this. So for the longest time I would work really hard. I would go in on the weekends and work on the weekends and during the week, try to find a tribe of people that I could be friends with at the, at the job. And because I worked on the weekends, um, I ended up connecting with the head of the, the network because who else would work on the weekends? It's the head of the network and the president of the network. Uh, and so I ended up connecting with him and he gave me a lot of great advice. Um, unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago from cancer here in LA, but um, it was a really unique uh, experience that I got to have. And because of that, I kind of, the things that he told me, I was able to get the courage to go abroad. And I ended up going to Kosovo for a brief period of time, um, went over to Jordan, went to Jordan a few times. And that was at the, t at the time when the refugee crisis was happening. So I was invited there once for a conference and I knew I was going to go back. And when I went back, it was basically to cover the, the women and the children's narratives and the stories that usually are underrepresented at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been all over and I've traveled everywhere because I could and I didn't have a sense of fear got into a lot of interesting predicaments, but um, I'm alive, I'm well, I'm here, I'm talking to you guys. So, I mean, I can't imagine doing a lot of the things that I did in my 20s now, but I'm glad I did it when I did. Uh, if I would have taken a different path, who knows? But yeah, now I'm here, I came back to California actually. And then um, when I came back, I started and I was thinking, man, I, there's a lot of women's stories that I wanted to tell, but everyone kept asking me like what can we do right how can we help these people and I always thought to myself there's a missing thing here a call to action and so 
when I connected with, I mean, I covered technology for a bit too before. I mean, I've covered a little bit of everything, but um, connected with folks that I knew in the tech world. And I remember one time one person told me, yeah, 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 I'll get to you in a minute. And I said, well, what if in one minute you could change someone's life? And so that was the gist of what, where the name of my nonprofit came was in one minute. And I wanted to do stories of women from around the world and to help provide a call to action to empower them through technology. So that took me through like an interesting path of really discovering my weaknesses and strengths, right? I think the thought of starting a nonprofit is really cool and it's really wholesome, but it's like having a business and it's really extremely painful. Um, and I was always a freelancer or a journalist. I was just like, I was always used to filing stories and doing things. And so this was not that. This had to be something where you had to create a plan, a business plan. And, and so I learned a lot from it. I think I've grown a lot from that experience. And I learned to come outside of my freelance tendencies of just doing things on my own to how can I outsource and bring on a team? What does that look like? How can I put the dream team together? So I've been doing that. I mean, this year we're, we're taking a little bit of a pause to figure out how we're going to pivot because the pandemic's kind of, I think if you start out something, it's really hard to maneuver. Especially when Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say, I mean, everything you've done till now is so incredible, but I can imagine, especially someone in your field, you're feeling this impact more than ever, um, you know, working remotely. I, I can't imagine how much has changed your career. Well, yeah, I think I went through like a existential crisis at the beginning, like in March. And I thought, oh my God, I had so many projects in, in play where I was thinking about filming a docuseries, doing all these sorts of big projects, and, but it all involved travel that all paused. And then I'm like, well, geez, even if I was going to do work, it's like, I should go to conferences, I go, get invited to go to places and cover things from, from outside of here and bring the world perspective here. And I'm not doing that. So then it's like, wow, okay, so what am I going to do in this period of time of finding myself or finding this new normal? It's like, okay, I tried to sew masks. Yeah, that wasn't going to be me. Uh, I did my banana bread. I think I, I've now mastered banana bread, but um, yeah, I'm not going to pursue that much. I mean, it's not going to be a professional thing. I mean, I've grown like avocado seeds. I've grown plants. I mean, it's like everything you can think of that people were doing that was stereotypical of like crisis mode in a pandemic. I did everything. But then I thought, well, you know what? One thing I really did this year that really changed my life was uh, I went through a lot of traumatic things this last year. You know, I lost a really good friend of mine in December and just a lot of things happening that I couldn't, I no longer had the bandwidth for. And so I reached a point where I'm like, I need to find some sort of peace. And I had friends that had told me they'd done like a 10 day silent meditation retreat. I said, okay, it's time. And I ended up signing up for it last year and I got up his, like got a, a spot. And I kept thinking to myself, man, I can't do that. That's 10 days. I'm always traveling. And so beginning of the year, I, th I told myself, I kept preparing myself. I'm like, I'm not going to plan anything. I'm going to do this. And I ended up doing this thing called Vipassana, which was a 10 day silent meditation retreat. And um, it like, changed my life and my perspective and how I approach things. And I highly recommend it to everyone. You know, it's like, uh, I don't want to compare myself to Buddha because, <laughs> but I learned during my retreat that Buddha was 35 when he became enlightened and I turned 35 and was that oh, a coincidence? I don't know. <laughs> All right. But, um, are you Buddha reincarnated? Who knows? Um, maybe like the Persian girl version. <laughs> But Maybe I mean, that'll be the title of this episode. Persian, Persian girl, girl Buddha. Buddha. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. But I mean, I, I did have a Vipassana high, like the first week that everyone was talking to me when I left that retreat, everyone's like, wow, who are you? You're like new person. And everyone that I knew signed up for it. Um, to give you How perspective. You talk? I, I can't imagine. I tell you, that's not, you can't do that. <laughs> I'm We're a talker, struggling. as you can tell. I've been talking for like 50 minutes right now, but... Yeah, uh, really, yeah. You had a really <laughs> good point. And I think going into it, I thought, wow, that's going to be really tough. But I'll tell you, I think that was the easiest thing. The hardest thing was not being able to document what was happening. There were so many moments where I had like beautiful prose that I've had thought about like 
seeing the sunset and like just going on my walks and having moments of reflection and going through like breakthroughs and I couldn't document it. And that's- You couldn't like write in a journal or anything? No, there was no writing. There was none. We were just really just meditating all what day. What is the point of that? I'm sorry. Well, I maybe eventually we need this. Well, that's eventually, I will tell you, if I was in my 20s, I would have the same exact reaction. And I'm sure my cousins that were younger were like, you're crazy. But you're going to come to a point in your life where you're going to realize um, your mind has this monkey brain and you always feel like you have to be stimulated and do things. And your outside environment will do the same thing to you. And I think if anything, this pandemic has shown us that we all need to calm down and find some peace within ourselves. And I think for me, that brought me so much clarity and what I wanted to do going forward. And it's brought me actually a lot of more opportunities going forward because I'm much more clear. I'm not spreading myself thin and you get a level of confidence in knowing that you can control the thoughts in your mind. Like the, it's no longer your mind taking over for you. And I think you guys are too young to have gone through like a lot of experiences like that, but um, I highly recommend you don't, you don't have to do a 10 day silent meditation retreat like I did, but I mean, it was, very fruitful for me. And I plan on doing it every year. I still meditate every day, twice a day. Um, and yeah, we have a long way to go. I, th I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think we have. Oh, for sure. I yeah. mean, for, for me, my <laughs> guess not to live life until like, you know, then you go like, Oh, geez, I need to reflect. And that's, you know, I'll, I'll say like, there was one girl in the, in the class. I was like, and she was 19 or 20. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like <laughs> you still haven't like, gone through all these crazy things yeah what are you even reflecting on like go home <laughs> like go get mugged or something like go get some traumatic experiences and come back okay i mean i remember Elle, when we first met you some of the things that you told us that that you've gone through i was just like i don't know how i would go about everyday normal life after such like intense experiences in other like in third world countries in yeah like, I, I think about like your stories all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I haven't really, I, as a journalist, you're trained, you're never the story. Right. Yeah. And so I never thought of myself as those are just experiences. And I learned how to like pocket them into some place because I'm not the priority. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think we're starting to see now, especially in my industry now, it's, um, we can't ignore those things. And I think they're acknowledging it now in the last, the last few years, it's, they're putting more attention to like self-care and mental health days because you can't go out and seek stories that are like, imagine like all the journalists that are covering the pandemic right now, or if they're covering like hospitals and emergency rooms, that's a lot of energy that you're harboring, like seeing people in their worst moments in their life, but you have to just put a, put a stone cold face on and be neutral and report and do that, all that stuff that all goes somewhere. Right. So that's where I feel like you get the burnout and um, there's tools now that you don't have to go through the burnout. You know, I, I've, I've learned those tools and I'm very open about it. And I make sure I let people, everyone I know, know about it. And it's changed me. I'm much more positive or I'm mellow, right. I'm, I'm that, I'm that stereotypical vision of what California girl is like mellow and, just peaceful and you know where before I mean I, I don't think I was crazy stressful but I would tell certain stories and people were like wait what did you just tell me like <laughs> you were where and there was like a war going on and you're at the border here it's like yeah you know it's like no I think you just have like a really exciting disposition that's like irrespective of where you're from I mean it could be tied to being Persian I don't know who knows? You know, I, I wouldn't I doubt, like, you know, for me, I think I've always been on this search for identity. Like, who am I? Where do I fall into this place in this world? Because I'm, I'm never Persian enough in my with my family that's Iranian in Iran, because I've been to Iran a few times. And I'm never American enough with my friends here, which I grew up with, like, I was the only Persian girl, I think, up until high school. Maybe there's like two other Persian people in my high school. Like, when I hit college was when I really had Persian friends, if that. And um, I was never enough or never in the right place. I was just like, you know, I tell people right now, like I'm Iranian, they're like, wow, you don't look Iranian. I'm like, yeah, I'm undercover. But I feel like I've been undercover my whole life. Like, I don't know. I've always learned, yearned to be like, to be accepted by like the ones that are much more Persian. But that's just not who I am. That's not how I was raised. My environment was, I was like in a, United Nations of an upbringing, right? So, 
you know, maybe that's probably the reason why I really focus with my nonprofit of identity. Um, cause with women around the world, they're not having access to a lot of opportunities and that's because of their being restricted of being who they want to be. And maybe eventually I'll eventually, uh, address it for myself see who am I what is my identity and maybe I can add that to the mix of the stories too but until then I'm telling everyone else's stories so <laughs> um I want to go back to what you said about like how as you're getting older you're figuring out these tools like what works out for you and like as someone who traveled so much and really like worked so much how like what were those tools like and how did you kind of um create like basically a work-life balance well I think with I think this year really with the 10-day silent meditation retreat that was this first foundational step I did to like address wow I need to like really calm my soul and my mind and then what are my goals and I think my goals shifted from when I was in my 20s I think in my 20s I was like I'm gonna you know work as whatever I can and pay my dues and do the things that I've always wanted to do and family and stuff was not ever a priority because I was like I'm always young and I think this year I realized well I'm still young but I'm a girl that likes her options so for many years I think once I hit 30 I think it hit the the shock waves with whether it was family and friends because I have a lot of friends that are having that had gotten married had kids I wasn't in that mix but I knew who they were you know and um and then it was like family I was saying well you know don't you ever want to have kids we want to like you're so cute so like you want to see your kids right like we want to take care of your kids I'm like wow you guys are really thinking about it more than I am so but I never really thought about it to um, to be honest and so this year I decided well I had a lot of friends in the film industry and other respects like in the media as well like I had a friend of mine who who's in her 40s she's been trying to have kids and I mean her story is a doozy but that's the one thing she told me a few years ago is L you're at the age where I never even considered this and I don't know why no one else is telling this but consider freezing your eggs because then you'll be me and these things in life will happen to you and you're reaching to your 40s and you won't have any eggs to be able to have kids and these are not the things that people talk to you about because they just assume as a woman, you're gonna go into that place where, okay, get married, have kids, and do all the stereotypical things that, you know, the things that we're always told we're supposed to do. Because um, I thought about it, because I saw firsthand what she was going through, and then I had another friend that went through the same thing, and I'm like, wow, I'm getting to that age. And so I thought to myself, the pandemic, I'm gonna do it. I, I reached out to probably one of the best doctors out here in LA. He actually, I think, was, um, you know, after I found this out after the fact was he's the doctor to the Kardashians or the, <laughs> that's, uh, how, that's how you measured. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even realize until like after the fact that I went to my, my OBGYN and he's like, Oh, he's a great doctor. He was a doctor to the Kardashians. I'm like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. I just, it sounded like I'm being sarcastic, but I really feel like I'm like, yeah, I'll take whatever they're having. Yeah. Cause I don't think any of them are going to die. Like, <laughs> so I'm just well, going to, they, I just the, won't do their plastic surgery. You know the movie but... Death Becomes Her? It's like this movie of these two girls <laughs> that like... <laughs> they, they, one of them marries this doctor and like he like, there's this potion that they never die and they just keep having these surgeries done and he keeps just rearranging their bodies. Oh, that's right, that's right. They won't die. Wasn't Bette Midler in that or something? Yeah, or? it was oh, Bette Midler and, Gold, and Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just, they just don't die, but they just keep getting more and more fucked up with every plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, like I feel like people talk about plastic, I mean, pandemic, no one could do anything, right? Unless it was like going to the hospital and you're dealing with COVID, all like, all of these procedures and all these things were on pause. And I thought, yeah. well, you know Wait, what? So at what point did you seek this? I'm like, probably around March or April when I was like just sitting around after I was going through my existential crisis of, okay, I've already, you know, planted seeds and they've grown and baked my banana bread and that worked. Not a mask sewer. I can't Do you make tie dye. Do you make any tie dye clothes? Or I mean, I, I might as well have, maybe that's my next step now in this next <laughs> phase. Cause we're shut down again. But, um, then I realized, well, what can I do to take care of myself? And 
last year I really wanted to do egg freezing and I had um, issues with my levels for my hormones and no one ever talked to this about me before, you know, like I don't think in my entire existence, not my family or any of my doctors mentioned to me to think about these sorts of things. And if I was in my twenties, I would always, I've been telling every girl that I know, please make sure you're very aware of what your neutral or your normal state is, your baseline for your hormones, because that's so important when you get older and no one ever tells you and all the doctors brush it off. And that's the most important thing that helps you function. And if that's not right, nothing in your, in your body will be right. You'll get like hot flashes. You'll gain weight, lose weight. You'll lose hair. Like I had no idea this was the case with hormones. You know, I thought you just take birth control and whatever. But um, if I knew in my twenties, I would definitely um, do that. And so last year I realized, well, geez, I never did that. And now I'm going to, this is my karma, right? Because I never paid attention to myself maybe I won't be able to freeze my eggs. Well, that wasn't the case. Um, I ended up seeing the doctor and he's a really great doctor. And I'll tell you, last year I tried to get him. He was probably on a wait list for nine months. And during the pandemic, I called in the next week I had a consultation <laughs> via Zoom. But I mean, it was, I think the universe telling me, yeah, hunker down and figure it out, you know? And so I'm in that process now. And Thankfully, from this time last year, I'm a lot in a better situation and I'm very aware of what my baselines are and how I feel. And I'm like at my prime time to do all this. And, you know, I was actually talking to another girlfriend of mine. She's actually Persian and she's going through the process too. Cause I, I think when she heard me doing it, she wanted to do it too. And, um, your age really matters. Even if she's like, even if this person is a few years older, you're going to have less eggs and you're going to have less options. Um, if I was in my mid to late twenties to early thirties, I would have done this if I had known what the situation was. Um, because that's just the reality, right? Like I'm not like sugarcoating anything. And this is what I like about the doctors. The reality is women, our bodies are made to have to bear children at a certain age. And as you get older, it's less and less likely, not that it's not possible, but um, you have to be aware of that, right? So once you hit 30 and once you hit 35, then you're going to have less eggs. The quality might be less. Like if I was in my 20s, I would, I would much rather have my 20-year-old eggs. So I'm going to go through this whole process, right? And you'll have more and you can freeze more. And, and it's interesting. My doctor was like, well, you're very progressive. So just in case you don't find a guy, ask the doctor to see if you're going to freeze half, half of them with like sperm. And then later on, if you want to have kids, be like, do your thing and have your kid. But don't worry about like getting into a relationship. Like imagine you're talking to your OBGYN and he's Persian actually. <laughs> he's like, don't change your life plans because you want to have kids and you want to like, you think you have to be married to someone to have kids. You don't really have to. I have a lot of friends that don't do that. Just freeze half of them with a the sperm with exactly what you want. And if it doesn't work out with a the guy, then have those kids that you want, always wanted, but with the ones that you created, you know? I'm so and happy to hear Persian's author yeah. said this. Oh yeah. So cool. So progressive. Um, and that's just the reality, right? Like how many women, like I, I've known that friend I was telling you about, she had a kid on her own in April and it's not as crazy as people would think. I think it's crazier if, you know, you're in the thought process, I have to have two kids. Now in order for me to have two kids, I have to be with a guy. Now, when you put yourself in that mentality, then you're going to take whatever comes your way and you may not live the most happiest life that you've ever wanted only because your end goal was to have two kids and you may not end up with like the right person that will, where you can live a fulfilling life. Not to say that people don't, but I'll tell you, I think 99% of the people that I know have gotten married, marriage isn't like something to make as a goal. It's just a circumstance of, meet the right person at the right time. You vibe, you're on the way, same wavelength. You have the same goals. Um, they don't hold you back from whatever you want to do in your life and same vice versa. You have to be that for that person. Yeah. You know how hard it is to find that person, you know? <laughs> oh, we, we know. <laughs> right. You know? And so it's like, but also I, I totally agree with you because in regards to having kids, like so many of my friends think of it this way. They're like, okay, if I want to have a kid, 
some of my friends say before 30, so 29, let's say. Yeah. Then I need to get married. In order to get married, I need to date someone for a few years. So in order to date them for a few years, I need to have met them this year because a lot of my friends are 25, 26. And then this whole pandemic is like, this pandemic just cut off a whole year off of my plan. But to me, I don't ha- I don't generally have that same plan. My plan is if I reach around like 35, I don't know what I want to ask you what year at what age do doctors recommend that you start doing that? Cuz once I reach that age, I would want to just freeze my eggs and then eventually by like late 30s, early 40s just have a kid by myself. Yeah. Cuz then and, you know what? I know so many people that do that. Mind, just have a kid. And I kind of find that this is like the antiquated progress that we've had from like I think about my parents generation that's all they knew right it's because biologically that's what they knew is like women can only bear children to certain well you can bear children to like 40s or 50s but the quality of your egg is what's important right wait can you explain that what do you like what does the quality mean so Sorry, I know that sounds ignorant. When they freeze no, 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 eggs at, at 35, does your <laughs> egg stay egg. 35? And then yeah. when you're 40, they put a 35-year-old egg back in you? That's basically what they're yeah. doing? Yeah. So okay. that's why when I was why saying that, the that eggs your age or something. like Because so, so when you're, when you're, when you're, the egg is, what do you mean? Like, what does that mean, Also, the though? healthier your kids come out, the younger you are. Oh, okay. I, I, wanna, I, w- I might want to freeze my eggs when I'm 30. Yeah, 30. I mean, if I... If I knew and I was financially able to, I would have done it between the ages of 25 and 30. Well, yeah, it's also expensive. Yeah, so that's another thing that I'm looking into when I'm doing this is looking at stories of, you know, it's going to probably cost ten dollars to $15,000 to do the process. But had I done it when I was younger, I'd probably get more eggs out of it because what I didn't realize was when you're born, you have a certain, like, imagine you have, like, a bank of eggs in your body. Does everyone have the same amount of eggs? Everyone's different. But, and then, um, depending on when you start your period, that's when you release your eggs, right? Oh, so if I started mine later, yeah, thank so God. I started, started mine later. Girls who started and this is what I would recommend if you're in your 20s, go to your OBGYN, say you're interested to understand about your fertility levels. You should do that because that's your baseline, right? Then what they're going to do is they're going to go check with um, ultrasound how many eggs you have in each ovary, right? Um, if you're in your 20s, you probably should have like 10, 15 on each side. That's a lot. Like for someone that's in their 30s, they're lucky to have five or 10 on each side, right? Oh, wow. But that just means like, doesn't mean the quality is worse. It's just you have less eggs to release in one round of the egg freezing, right? I feel so <laughs> dumb, but I, I was positive that we have just like thousands of eggs. What? I don't know. I was like, oh, it's <laughs> well, it's true for guys, okay. right? I think it's the opposite for guys. Wait, how how do we lose an egg? Because you obviously don't lose an egg with each period you have, because that you would lose. It's it's, eggs it's a released year. during your period. Um, but but not and, with each one, because you have twelve periods a year. Except for me, I don't. Yeah, maybe, maybe well, I have extra different. eggs because I don't get my period normally. Well, think of it this way. So each body's different. So if what's happening for me, it's not going to be the same for you or for Millie, right? And so that's why I really advocate when you're in your 20s, really go to your OBGYN, put them to work. That's their job, right? It's not just for you to go in and get birth control and hopefully whenever you get married and you start figuring it out. Be proactive, be, be smart, find out what your, when I say baseline, it's like, what are your levels at your optimal prime to function and be amazing? You know, like if you're getting migraines or headaches, probably related to your hormones. If you're losing hair, it's probably related to your hormones. Mm. If you're like colder or hotter during times of the year, it's your hormones. Like I was never told this stuff. I just realized this like last year. And so had I known this in my twenties, I would have gone to my doctor, put him to work and told him like, look, let's figure out my baselines. Where do my hormones have to be so I can function at my optimal prime? And let's keep that going. Um, so I can feel good, you know? A lot of things happen and people don't realize it's based off of your hormones. And so I'm starting to just realize that in, in my 30s. Had I known that in my 20s, I'm, I'm telling all my cousins to do the same thing, you know? And they're all really much younger. And so, you know, if capable and able financially, emotionally, I would recommend um, if you're not in a situation where you plan on getting married in your 20s, you're not in a relationship and it's not something that, 
really is on your mind, have your options and freeze eggs in your like 26, 27, 28, 29. Those are the best time. Like you'll probably have a lot of eggs depending on um, every individual is different, but do it. I mean, and, or if you're working at this time, put it as put aside a little bit every day. And like, there are programs out there that help you pay for it. So I say it's like 10 or $15,000, but there are programs in Los Angeles that will help you with the medication. The medication is $5,000, right? So if you're in a place where you can't afford all of that, reach out and ask for help. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think if we start talking about it more and we realize, well, Jesus, why is it so expensive for us? But for guys, it's like a couple hundred bucks, right? That's insane. Don't you think? Yeah, like, right. but if we biologically just being a girl from the beginning is so unfair. Like guys ejaculate until the day they die. They yeah, can they, can have, have, they can have babies at a high. Yeah, they have kids when they're eating. Not to say that they're going to be healthy because their sperm could be really bad too. You never know. Yeah, but there's but I mean, a lot of men all suffer it, with infertility. It's but. just so unfair though, because like guys are always like, "Why are girls in such a rush? Why are you in such a rush?" It's like literally my mindset. I'm not even in a rush. It's my body that's against me. Like, like time yeah. is just against I us. I told you how many of like my my Persian guy friends would come up to me, especially the ones that were doctors, trying to act like. Elnaz, or so my full name's Elnaz, Elnaz, you know, you really need to think about just freeze your eggs or get in a really, just figure it out. Like get in a relationship, have your kids because you're getting too old. And I was just like, oh, wow, God. you're, you're antiquated in your mind. You're old, bro. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's really easy for someone to, you know, to say something like that, but to really know the situation, it's such a different thing. We're living in different times. And I know there's people that say like, well, I would never want, like, there are so many people that I meet, especially when it comes to relationships that don't want to have kids. So then what do I do with that? Right. Um, you know, it's have your options, be safe. And one way to have your option is to have this and I know it's crazy because it's because not too many women have talked about it before. They haven't really set the trail to like make it easier for others. I'm hoping that by talking about it and looking into it and doing it myself, I can help figure out ways to make it easier for like my cousins who are in their twenties to be able to do this and be proactive about it. And if they want to get married in their twenties, great. I love it. Let's bring more people into the family. But if they're getting married because they're panicked about having kids and all these sorts of things, I would hate for that to be the case, you know? So uh, that's something that I'm thinking about now. It's these are my pandemic thoughts, but um, I think as women, we're always, I'm such a sad woman, you know, like with everything in life, when it comes to work, trying to live your best life, anything, just think of, any, there's just having your proper health. It's all just the hardest obstacle, right? But it's not going to be the same thing for guys. And people are very quick to judge and it doesn't have to be that way. And if there's a way that I can contribute to that to make it easier, then I'm, I'll do that. I'll talk about it. I mean, I'm an open book. So, but I mean, no, have, I... You guys even, have you guys even thought about um, having kids and all that sort of stuff? Is that something that comes up in your group of friends or? Um... A lot of my friends, it's funny because a lot of my friends aren't necessarily children people, but they're like, I want to have kids. I want to have kids before I'm 30. And I actually love hanging out with children. And I always did. And I always had a lot of patience for them. And I'm the one who's like, I don't want to have them until my late 30, mid to late 30s, just because of the things I want to do in life. And I, I feel like a lot of my friends that their parents had them at a very young age because of societal pressure actually ended up neglecting them for a lot of their life because they didn't feel grown up enough and they were out still partying and doing their own thing and the kids felt grew up a little neglected and then I look at my mom who really only I'm I'm a product of everything we're saying we shouldn't do I my parents really only got married because they were both getting older so someone set them up and they're like you guys both want kids here that's enough that you have in common go make one um, so I'm basically a product of that, but I, I think my mom literally when I was born dedicated every breath, like every moment of her day to me. And I want to be able to do that for my kid. And I just know that at this age, I haven't accomplished enough, whether it's the podcast or places I want to travel to, or 
experiences, things I want to see. And I just, I know I won't be able to dedicate myself to a child. And I feel like it'd be unfair to bring a child to this world at this age for me. Yeah. And like I think all that's the a responsible thing to think about. It's like, Ready. there's a lot of things that go into like creating a human and making sure that human survives, right? Like that's your main goal as a parent is make sure the human that you create survives and hopefully is a decent human being <laughs> when they yeah. grow up, you know? My friend yeah. told me recently her friend had a kid and she posted on her Instagram story, like taking the baby for like their vaccinations today. And then it like suddenly dawned upon my friend, like, oh my God, when you have a kid, if you don't make their doctor appointment, they don't go to the doctor. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's just like a level of maturity, right? Like when you're, in, you're young and you have kids, like you just, there's so many things when I was before I was 20, like I think when you hit 25, you hit a certain level of maturity. And then when you hit 30, it's a different kind. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm at 35, I'm like, this is, these 30s are your best years of your life. It's because I'm in it and I love it. But I don't necessarily would ever want to go back to my 20s because there were, I loved it. I did everything I wanted, but these are truly the best years and it keeps getting better with time. And, you know, I'm much more responsible now. I can do things like you can make mistakes in your 20s and you can make it, figure it out, right? I think when you get older, you have less opportunities to make those mistakes because you have much more responsibilities. So, but the people that I think, I think especially in our Persian community, it's like people that didn't have those opportunities to make those mistakes, eventually it has to come out somewhere. It's like, it's all pent up somewhere. <laughs> and then like, do you want to make those mistakes when you're in your forties, in your fifties, in your late thirties? Like, that's crazy, but it happens. You know, I see a lot, of, I've, when I was in my twenties clubbing and partying, I saw a lot of those like 30, 40, 50 year olds, like, what are they doing in, in the club, right? And yeah, it's so dark whenever you interact with those kinds of people. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. But, True. but to stay positive on it all, like always be proactive, do the things that you want. And if it's if you want to have a family and you want to do those things, that's great. It's great to know what you want. You know, I think that's the, one of the hardest things in life is like knowing exactly what you want and how you want to do it. So but it's also okay if you don't. But just make sure you take the steps to make sure you're proactive about it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm just so happy you... I feel like I'm really on top of a lot of, like, medical things with myself because I'm a hypochondriac. But just, like, now I'm so interested. You brought up these things, like, have them check your hormone levels and, like, see what's your optimal. Like, yeah, I should find out what is, like, my average hormone level now. So then when I'm, like, 35, I could compare it and, like, understand my body. And I don't know why this isn't talked about more. I think from speaking to you, I think we realize how little we actually know. Because yesterday, I remember me and my girlfriends, we were hanging out with our two guy friends. And one of them goes, wait, when you hit menopause, um do you just keep bleeding until you die? Like your period just starts coming forever. And I'm, we were like, no, it's the opposite. Your period stops. We're like, you guys don't know anything about women. And now I'm no. sitting here and I'm like, I'm like, I know nothing. I know nothing. I don't, I don't know. I don't, and, I don't know. And, and look, I would say 90% of women don't know until they have to like get to that point where they want to have kids and they're with that guy and they're in that family. And then, wow, they have to go through IVF or infertility because they just never took that time before to understand their levels right? I mean, I was just saying how little I feel like I know now. I I don't like, I never even thought to check how many eggs I personally have and how cautious I should personally be. And maybe I should be thinking about it, about freezing them more like sooner than somebody else. Well, I, I mean, I think they would have said something to me because like I had a phase last year where I thought I had endometriosis. So like I had an ultrasound of my ovaries. Um, and like they did the other like thing where they stick something inside you. It was like a bit a pap smear. No, not a pap. Like yeah. oh, like an ultrasound. Yeah, and like a wand. Yeah. Um, it was a really like cute French lady who did it. We like speaking French. Right? Like, I know it's not supposed to be cute interaction. <laughs> was it like a cute nice lady that does it too? I think it makes it easier. Yeah. It was, if it wasn't, I would have been terrified. Um, but like I didn't. I don't have endometriosis and my ovaries were fine. So, I mean, I think if I had like a insufficiency. I think a lot of doctors think that you're still young and they might not feel the need to bring that up. No. Which is wrong. 
which is wrong, know. which is that's true. I think a lot of doctors, because they think you're young, that they shouldn't be coming here and complaining about anything. And if they do, I mean, there's like a series of stories that have been done in the past of like women that complain about certain pains and their doctor's just like, ah, whatever, it's just PMS or something, but it's like actual legit things, right? And so, but I think the medical industry, when it comes to women's health, they're very lazy unless you find the right doctors and you push them to do the work that they're supposed to do and let them know that I am this, these are my goals. Like if you just go into the doctor, like, I don't know what's going on. Can you just help me figure out what are they going to figure out? Right. There's like, Oh, you seem fine. You look fine. Go away. But if you come in and be like, look, I'm feeling really groggy. I have headaches all the time. I've had weird weight gain or weight loss my palms are sweaty all the time. I can't focus. These are all things that relate to hormones. Um, can you help me figure out what we need to do to figure this out? Um, there's even something um, outside of OBGYNs, there's hormone specialists. So you have to go to your OBGYN to get referred to an, a hormone okay. specialist. They That's refuse to do that though. It is so hard for like, and you so gotta I, I tried to actually do that. This is reminding me of this was like a couple years ago um and i was really like I, I was having a lot of acne and like i was just like i'm forgetting the other symptoms but like it was just my mom was saying like you should have your hormones checked and then i went to my gyno and i really like my gynecologist actually but they said oh well, your hormone levels are fine and i was like well can you just refer me to a hormone specialist anyways yeah, like i really want to understand what's happening and they were like we only can refer people who like aren't like who you don't have like hypothyroid or anything like that so like we don't see it necessary to recommend you and then every well, every time i looked online it was like oh you need to have a like recommendation from a doctor so i felt like i was kind of in a trap and then i was like oh, whatever i guess my hormones are fine like i can't do anything i'm not well here's, well here's what ended up happening to me last year and this is how i got my endocrinologist same same situation was beginning of last year i didn't feel like myself and i was like unpronounced weight gain I was not feeling well. I was crying all the time. I'm like, what is this? I don't, I probably cry like five times in my life, you know? And here I like cried five times on one day. And um, it's just everything that was, I felt like a malfunction was happening in my body. And that was the same year I decided, okay, I'm gonna start freezing my eggs. Well, that wasn't gonna happen because I ended up finding this company called Modern Fertility, which bless them because they're based in San Francisco. They send you a kit where you can do a blood test and it gives you like your hormone, hormone levels. I did that. And that's when I realized, wow, two of my hormones are like way off whack. And when I went to my normal doctor, they didn't do anything about that. Right. I was able to take that and go to my OBGYN, but I had an issue with my OBGYN because they weren't paying attention to me. They weren't listening to me. So I got referred to another one. That one, eventually I said, I need to go see an endocrinologist because something's happening to me and no one's figuring it out. It's been six months of my life is gone. When I went to the endocrinologist, they're like, okay, well, it looks like all your levels are fine. I'm like, well, clearly I'm not something that's like normal. And I'm telling you, I'm not feeling well. So figure it out. Let's figure it out together. So that person was like, well, let me think about it. There's might be one thing I can test you on, but this is like a one in a million thing, but I'll just do it anyways. But guess what? I was at one in a million thing. And had I not caught it in time, I'd have to have surgery in the back of my head, brain surgery. It was literally a growth in the hormone in the back of your head. There was a growth on my hormone and it was releasing the hormones that really indicate like your body just had a baby and it's like preparing your body to take care of the baby. But I didn't have a baby, right? It was the growth on the hormone, which if you don't catch it in time, you have to have that, that growth removed from your hormone. But I did and you can take a medication and you're fine and it goes away. Do you have wow. to consistently take a medication or you just like, no, no, you just have to make sure that it's gone. But had I not just called. advocated for myself, then I would have gone for the rest of the year. Them saying, oh, no, we don't see anything because they consider that one in a million. And really it's like an endocrinologist can only really figure that out. Not a gynecologist. Right. And I kept advocating for myself. I was like, no one knows your body better than you do. Right. And so talk to the, when I found that out, I was like, well, geez, that makes sense for certain hormone like levels being weird. Um, talked to a different doctor and I got like, 
come from a family of doctors. So I was like referring to them and they're like, okay, you need to make sure you take this medication. Great. But I had to do that for myself. Like at a certain point right now, like there are some doctors that are great and I love the doctor that doctors that I'm seeing now, but it's like, you also have to give them guidance because they're not going to know you better than yourself and know how you're feeling. And if you don't tell them exactly like what's going on, they can't help you. But I got lucky. So that's why I want to always like advocate people, especially young girls in their twenties, go to your OBGYN. I don't care what they say. Keep pushing to see an endocrinologist. Um, they're obligated to do that. Like they're, if you have insurance, you need, to, they need to refer you if you have any implications that you, you want to figure things out to find your baseline and figure out what your baseline is. When you feel hundred percent amazing, fabulous, that's your baseline. Find out when your what your hormones are at that level. So that later on in your life, like in your 30s, 35, when you're feeling weird on certain places or whatever, you can go back to like, yeah, well, when I felt great, this is where all my hormones were. Can we get it back to there? I mean, it's, it's, that's as basic as I can make it sound without getting technicals. I'm not a doctor either, but that's what I realized, right? So this last year, I've, you know, advocated for myself and then I find out what my baselines are and that's where I need to be in order to be great. If I get headaches a lot, I'm like, oh, I wonder if like one of my hormones is out of whack. Boom. Is it? Well, I'll go to my doctor and then they'll figure it out for me. You know, how to get it back to my optimal, my optimal levels. But see, these are things that when I was in my twenties, no one ever talked to me about because it was just not something that was a conversation that you have with people, you know? Especially with Persians. We had an episode that was just like talking about China bots and how like Persians brush off every little thing that is happening Makes them uncomfortable. Like, oh you're exaggerating like oh it's not something that's necessary to go to a doctor for you can just take care of it with like home remedies oh yeah like try right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's like okay cool i mean but not to say that those i mean i have to think maybe a lot of the people that are older generation they just never went through the stuff that we went through right we have different environments and different situations to have a child on their own it was always you had to have a man you had to like get married yeah and i'll tell you this like i'm really lucky and i'm blessed i think this is privilege on my end where this last year where i gave the agency to myself to be able to do this is because i had family members come to me and say you don't have to be married to have a kid we are telling you we would love to see your kid because you're such an amazing person. We want to see another human just like you here. And if you want to do it on your own, we're here. We have the support of your entire family to do it. Um, I think just hearing that really kind of pushed me forward even more without any doubts with the confidence to do it. Right. Like I'm slowly opening up about this process with members of my family and they're all supportive. It's like, wow. I thought, you know, so maybe having a little faith and having that discussion, maybe it's like not the easiest conversation to have, but at least if you start it with members of your family that you're comfortable with and see where they lie on that, on that spectrum of reaction, right. Mm-hmm. And find the people that will support you in whatever it is you want to do. And then others will follow suit eventually. Right. Don't focus on the ones that are going to give you negative energy. Focus on the ones that will help you push it through because it's your life. You have to live it. And You'd be surprised. I was really surprised. I didn't think that I was going to have my family members are going to be like, oh, you want to do what? But now I'm like, oh, some people want to come with me in this process and be there. And I mean, I, I took the ultrasound uh, when I went to go see this doctor and I, I almost wanted to cry because I was like, oh my gosh, it looks like we know my friends when they're take a picture of the ultrasound and there's like a little baby in there. Mine wasn't like, mine was like one step backwards. It was like, it's just a circle. <laughs> so I took the picture and I sent it to my girlfriends in my group of friends, like uh, different chat groups. I'm like, hey guys, guess what? I've decided to do this step for using my eggs. It's not like when you send me your pictures of when you're about to have your baby. I'm about a half a step backwards, but this is my progress. And I brought them into that conversation. They're like, wow, we're so lucky. Like those are your future kids, right? So that made it real. Um, just because I'm on a different timeline doesn't make it any less, you know, exciting you know, so find the ways to make it exciting for yourself, like doing that and then hearing my friends be like, oh, this is so exciting. We're so happy for you. Like those are your future kids, whether they're gonna be boys or girls, you know, and 
or family members like, oh, we're so happy, so excited. We want to be there with you. Can we be there in the room with you when you do it? And like, oh, okay, cool. You know, so it's, you'd be surprised who will step up. So just if you're comfortable, talk about it and see who steps up for you. I think that's the best thing I can say about it. But definitely think about it, guys. I don't know what your situation is with like relationships and that sort of thing. But I mean, I figure if you're in a relationship, you should be having these conversations too, you know, because you never know. This day and age, like when you're in a relationship with a guy, you don't even know if it's going to work to have kids. You might have to go through IVF. That's a different conversation. So I mean, I, I had a cousin who got divorced because after getting married, like she knew her boyfriend at the time, like did not see kids in his future at all. And she was already in her thirties. And like, after getting married, she thought she'd be able to change his mind, I suppose. Right. And then a year after getting married, he's like, I still don't want kids. And she ended up getting divorced. And I don't know, maybe she'll try to have kids on her own. I don't know what her plan is. Uh, I think those are really important conversations to have like by like the third date you should know if the person wants to have kids or not really at what age do you do you I think because I'm in my 30s I'm saying that I'm like yeah I'm in the first conversation like you're what going to do this because I'm also dealing with people that are older that are either divorced with kids or um they just straight up never wanted to have kids and they're snipped you guys are much younger than other about those kinds of things but hey Things to think about, you know, I think we all know exactly what we want when it comes to like, for me, I want to have a family. What that formula looks like is not what everyone else is doing. That's what I know. So I don't want to follow the the foundation that everyone else has set for themselves. I've always been against the grain. So I'm making sure I have my options in the way that I want to do it because that's just who I am. So no, you're very, not to say, yeah, but you know, I, I know people that wanted to get married when they're in their 20s, early 20s, and they had kids. Great. There's nothing against that. I'm always for people that know exactly what they want and just do it. Yeah, it's it's basically all the power to you as long as you're doing it for you, not for someone else. Totally. And it's too, it's so easy to get, like, swayed from one place to, an, to another, right? Um, sometimes you can really love someone and you'll just convince yourself, yeah, well, maybe I don't want to have kids either. And then years later, we'll come off like, oh, man, I really regret it. And then it's too late, right? Well, not that you can't have kids, but maybe you can adopt. There's different options. But the way that you had in your mind may not happen. And I think we have too much technology now and too many opportunities to like, have it be that way. We can do things our way. We're bosses. We're, we're queens. But, but yeah, so I don't know if this is like a – I don't want to end it on a Debbie Downer. We, we no, I don't think you, I don't think you, at all. I don't think that I, I think that was like a really, you left it on such a positive note. Yeah, like you, you made this conversation that people kind of like assume is, de- yeah, they assume, you assume it's depressing. It's like, no, it's not. Of, it's just called taking control. Yeah, a lot of people make it oh, feel yeah. like it's a girl giving up and it's like, no, it's a girl taking matters into her own her own hands and doing what she wants oh for sure it's like I'm the boss still and I like that you know I like being the boss (laughs) so and I mean and if anyone ever wants like that listens to this wants more information they're more than welcome to reach out to me on my um, social media channels I'm very active on Instagram more so than anything and Twitter too um yeah, come yeah. and ask me questions. Uh, we're we're going to, like, put your yeah. – uh, you can find Elle's, like, information in the uh, link For of sure. the episode, and we're going to post on Instagram. Yeah, and if you're the kind of person that wants to pursue things and live your life and, you know, I, I feel like I have a lot of stories to tell from, like, the, my 20s and early 30s. And write yeah, a book about I feel it, like right? We, we need a separate episode for just, like, the stories, some of the stories. Yeah, and so – I probably wouldn't have been able to do that if I had kids and that's okay. And I can, if I want, and that's the life that I want to live and I'm figuring that out. And I don't want anyone to feel like, especially now, like doom and gloom of pandemic stuff, people feel like they've lost time, but I think it's like a great time that people can like sit down, reflect like I did and really think about what you want out of life. And it's great opportunities now to pursue that where before we were in the hustle and bustle of life 
and it was you just wouldn't make it a priority but now you can and just let's just all get through this and do it the best we can and don't think of it as like a wash of a year but as a year of really fine-tuning what you really want who do you really want to be around who who is this partner going to be in your life whether it's a guy or girl whatever it is um and how are you going to be able to find them in this you know next phase of our new normal there's so many different ways you can do that and more productive ways so it's all great things i mean i can i mean march march me was very doomy gloomy but i got out of it (laughs) no i like that um thank you for sharing it with us yeah and if anyone ever wants to like pursue anything in journalism or whatnot if you're younger and you're you graduate, didn't get a real graduation, and you want ways to connect with others, um, feel free to reach out. You can always jo- uh, join our, we do these talks every Tuesday for our SVJ International community where we bring in journalists from around the world and inspiring younger journalists to kind of connect with them and learn how to do what they've done and do it in a new normal. So if those are things that you're interested in, reach out to me. I am very open to that. So journalism, freezing your eggs, all these sorts of things. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow there's a connection. (laughs) Wide spectrum. (laughs) The description for this episode will be interesting. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so much. Persian Girl Buddha, thank you for taking time to speak to us. That is hilarious. For sure. For sure. Anytime you want to talk about anything, you let me know because you know I can talk on a tangent about everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely love to have you back for another episode just to talk about like past L versus present L. Oh yeah, the new Zen L versus the <laughs> yeah crazy crazy Chewbacca haired L before. <laughs> <laughs>